to the degree you are conscious of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and within you, your prayers become less a question of trying to fix something or heal a problem. You're simply bearing witness to what is already, always has been, and always will be true in heaven. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 190. Today's topic, quit trying to change something when you pray. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you've tuned in to listen today. I've got a question for you. Would you like your prayers to be more effective? Would you like to experience a real connection with God when you pray and know that your prayers are heard? Well, I think we can all answer yes to that. Of course, we'd like to be able to pray more effectively. And we'd love to feel God's presence and know that our prayers are heard. Well, today we're going to dig deep into the heart of prayer. We're going to take a look at how Jesus thought about things how he saw the world, and explore some of the ways he prayed and how he wanted us to pray. Now, if you've been listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast for very long, you know that I talk a lot about this, how Jesus thought and acted. And this week, we're going to look specifically at how embracing this mindset of Jesus changes the way we pray. So let's say you've got a problem or a challenge you're facing. It could be something personal, something at school or work or at church. It could be something on a larger scale that affects your community or even the whole world. How would you pray about this situation? All too often, I hear people start with the problem when they pray. They try to explain everything to God, sometimes several times as if God doesn't already understand what's really going on. Jesus said God already understands what we actually need. This is Matthew 6, 8. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You don't have to explain everything to God. He already knows exactly what you need, which is not always what you pray for. The basic premise in this approach to prayer is that you start with a problem and then ask God to fix it. I've seen over many years in my own life and with lots of other folks that when you start with a problem in your prayers, you're more likely to end up with the problem. It's not really the most effective way to pray, and it certainly is not the way Jesus prayed or taught us to pray. 
The I've got a problem that needs to be fixed mindset is focused on the problem. But Jesus had a God is the solution mindset when he prayed. Jesus always started his prayers with the conviction that since God is present and supreme, the solution is already at hand. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore our problems or pretend that they're not there, but it's a question of focus. What is your starting point? Where are your thoughts? What are you preoccupied with? The I've got a problem that needs to be fixed approach to prayer usually begins with some variation of, I've got such and such a problem, Lord, and if it's your will, please provide a solution. Sometimes we even tell God exactly how to fix the problem. Now, I just want to say there are some times when a prayer that begins this way is beautifully answered. I knew a fellow years ago who loved birds. I mean, he had a deep, deep abiding love and affection for all birds, and he even had several as pets. One day he was on the roof of some building because there was an injured pigeon up there. Now, I have to mention that this was in New York City. Most people in New York are not particularly fond of pigeons, but this man had great compassion for this injured bird. There were several people trying to help the bird, but it was not doing any good. It looked like the bird just wasn't going to survive its injury, and in fact, it appeared to be lifeless on the rooftop. My friend uttered a simple little prayer, something to this effect, God, we have an injured bird down here. We need your help. It was not a complicated prayer. It was not a theological dissertation on the nature of God and his love for and protection of all his creatures. It was a simple plea for help. He then told me with awe and tears in his voice that another pigeon flew down to the injured bird and nestled up next to it for several minutes. The injured bird suddenly shook itself, gathered its energy, and then with the other pigeon, flew away. Now, on the surface, you could say my friend started with the problem that there was an injured bird. And that's how I used to look at this situation. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized that he actually started his prayer with love and the expectation that God could and would do something. So, the first words you say, silently or out loud, may not be how your prayer actually starts. You might say or think about the problem like my friend did with the injured pigeon, but actually your words about the problem were prayed in the context of your deep conviction that God was willing and able to resolve the situation. Prayer isn't just about the words that come out of your mouth or your heart. It's about the deep trust you have in God as the solution provider. When you have this deep conviction and assurance of God's love and power to heal a given situation, that is your starting point, even when it may not come out in the words of your prayer. Although, I must say, I find it incredibly helpful to begin my prayers by consciously acknowledging God's presence and power. But if you have that in your mindset, if you already have that in your heart, 
It's there, and that's the starting point of your prayer. This is how Jesus taught us and still teaches us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. We know the words by heart and may repeat them many times each week or even several times a day. We know this prayer so well, or do we? Jesus said, Matthew 6, 9, In this manner, therefore pray. And then he gave what we call the Lord's Prayer. It was not designed to be a formula of words to say in a particular order, although that's what we've done to a large degree. It was, and still is, a method, a way, an approach to how we should pray. And what is this method or approach? What is the manner in which we should pray? Well, how does Jesus begin the prayer? Does he start with wanting you to tell God what your problem is? Are we supposed to explain things to God? Do we just start with begging for God's help? Not at all. The Lord's Prayer starts with acknowledging our relationship with God and then focuses on the nature, glory, kingdom, and will of God in heaven. This is the methodology of the Lord's Prayer. It begins with a solution. Whatever problem you may have, God is always the solution. God's nature, glory, kingdom, and will are the starting point for effective prayer and the foundation for the resolution of any problem. Jesus is basically saying that when you pray, don't start your prayer with asking God to solve a problem. Start by acknowledging your relationship with Him and bask in His glory and power, His supremacy in heaven and on earth. It's not about praying for what you want, but asking God to show you what His will is in heaven and to bring that same will to pass here on earth. Jesus' focus is always on the kingdom of God. In fact, just a little later in the Sermon on the Mount, after he told us how to pray, Jesus emphasizes this. This is Matthew six thirty-three: Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, all the things you need in your daily life. Not just the things, but the spiritual inspiration as well. Why was Jesus so preoccupied with the kingdom of God? And what did this have to do with the way he prayed and how he wanted us to pray? If the kingdom of God was so important to Jesus, shouldn't it have the same priority for us? Think for just a minute what heaven is like. It's a spiritual realm where there is no discord, no disease, despair, no decay, or death. The Bible tells us, this is Revelation 21.4, that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So let me ask you this question. In heaven, are there any unresolved problems, unhealed diseases, or unreformed sinners? Is there anything in heaven that needs to be fixed? No, of course not. To the degree you are conscious of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and within you, 
your prayers become less a question of trying to fix something or heal a problem. You're simply bearing witness to what is already, always has been, and always will be true in heaven. You're not praying for anything to change. You're praying to open your eyes to see, or you could say, bear witness to what is true in heaven right now. Jesus told Pilate this was the reason he was on earth. This is John 18, 37. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Since you and I are Jesus' followers, then this is also why we are on earth, to bear witness to the truth. Now, a lot of Christians would say that the primary reason Jesus came to earth was to save people from their sins. Others might include healing disease and disability as a reason Jesus came, or to teach us how to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus certainly did all these things and so much more, but his ultimate goal or focus was not to fix all these problems but to bear witness here on earth to the nature and glory of God which he saw in heaven. The only reason Jesus was able to forgive sin, heal disease, raise the dead, feed thousands of people without much food, and everything else he did, was because he saw what was true in heaven, and he knew this heaven was present every moment. There is no sin, disease, disability, death, or lack of anything in heaven. Jesus saw this so clearly that it became obvious here on earth when he was talking to someone. Now, this came very naturally to Jesus, but for you and me, it's a big mindset shift. We have to quit believing everything the five material senses say is true on earth and ask God what is true in the kingdom of heaven, and then concentrate on that. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus, this is in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, or born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, it makes sense, really. In order to see the kingdom of God, to bear witness to the truth, to what is true in heaven, you have to experience a spiritual rebirth. We need to have a more spiritual sense of our origin and identity as children of God. Instead of focusing on birth as our origin or our identity as mere material beings in a material world, Jesus was so conscious of what was true in heaven and that since heaven is at hand, it was also true on earth. This was actually a major component of his mindset. It was the basis of how he looked at people and situations, and how he prayed. That's why his goal was not to fix things, although he did, but to bear witness to the truth. So how can you and I follow Jesus more closely in this way of thinking, of bearing witness to the truth? Well, the first step may simply be to admit that it is possible that you actually have the ability to see what is true in heaven. Now, this may seem like a bit of a stretch, but only 
if you're trying to do it with the human mind and the human abilities. You'll never see the kingdom of heaven with the five material senses or the brilliance of the human intellect. Paul says spiritual things must be revealed to us by the Spirit. This is 1 Corinthians 2.10. God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Have you ever wondered what the deep secrets of God are? Well, when the Spirit reveals them to you, they're no longer secrets. But when you try to understand God and the things of the Spirit through the five material senses and the human mind, they will always remain a secret. Paul explains this just a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 2.14. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And this verse gives us a hint of one of the next things you can do to follow Jesus in bearing witness to the truth in the way you think and pray. It's to be more spiritually minded. But how do we be more spiritually minded? It's really about what direction you're walking and what your priorities are. Are you preoccupied with material things and people's opinions, chasing what the world says is important? Or are you getting closer to God, striving to know and do His will, feeling more of His love and expressing that love to everyone around you? When your real desire is to be more spiritually minded, your thoughts, prayers, and actions will guide you there. Something I found really helpful in learning to bear witness to what is true in heaven, like Jesus did, is to read an account of Jesus healing someone where there are enough details to give you an idea of what Jesus could have been thinking. For example, this is in Luke 8:49. A messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. He was referring to Jesus. To the messenger, it was too late. There was nothing left to do, no hope left. But how did Jesus respond? More importantly, what did he see? What was he bearing witness to? In Luke 8.50, when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. To Jesus, the situation was not hopeless. Why? Because he bore witness to the truth that there is no death in heaven. Now think of what Jesus said to the mourners at Jairus' house. This is Luke eight fifty two. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. How can Jesus say that? What was he thinking? Or more importantly, what was Jesus seeing that no one else could see? He continued to bear witness to the truth that there is no death in heaven, and that since heaven is at hand, there could be no death at hand. To everyone present, it appeared the little girl was raised from the dead, but to Jesus, she was alive all along in the kingdom of heaven. He simply bore witness to that fact. 
My point here is to take some of the accounts of Jesus healing people and pray to discern what Jesus was thinking and praying. Then take those ideas and apply them to your own life. If you're facing a challenge, ask yourself, what would Jesus think or say in this situation? What would he see as true about this situation and the kingdom of heaven? Ask God to show you too. Now, it's obviously not just a matter of saying the words Jesus said. To follow Jesus' example of healing and restoration, you have to actually see what he saw. And the only way for you to see that is for God to reveal it to you spiritually, as I mentioned earlier. You can't see or understand what is true in heaven with the material senses or the human intellect. The problem is, we're usually more likely to believe what the five material senses tell us than we're able to discern and believe what God is revealing to us through the Spirit. Another thing that's helpful in this process of seeing what's true in heaven, as Jesus did, is to become more aware of and strengthen your relationship with God. Why? Well, so you'll hear his voice and trust his wisdom more than you trust what the world is telling you. There are lots of things that can be helpful in embracing in your own life the way Jesus saw what was true in heaven, but I'm just going to mention one more for right now. It's to put all these ideas into practice in your daily life. When challenges come up, ask yourself, what is true about this situation in the kingdom of heaven? Then be quiet and listen for an answer. The more you do this, the better you'll get at hearing God's voice. Your prayers will no longer be an attempt to fix or change something or to get God to change something. More and more, your prayers will become a joyful opportunity to bear witness to what is true in heaven right now. I want to thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you being here. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, a special welcome to you. There have been a lot of new subscribers recently. A special welcome to you. If you haven't subscribed yet on my website, I encourage you to do so. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Put your name and email in there. That way you're on my email notification list and you'll get an email every time there's a new episode. And when you sign up, I'll send you a special prayer guide I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you have any comments or questions about today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. Go to the website and click on the contact tab in the menu bar and I'll be in touch. Can't wait to hear from you. If you'd like to check out all the Bible quotes that were mentioned in today's episode, you can find those on the show notes page on my website for today's episode. That's at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 190. This is episode 190. Thanks so much for being here. I am so grateful for all the ways that you have been supportive. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care. And we'll see you next time. God bless.